0: to episode three of the more precious podcast with me rosie wright we are back and over the next half an hour or so we're getting a really practical look at your life at work think of it as a workplace surgery for those really difficult questions the gender pay gap and how you should ask for a pay rise the me too movement what should you do if someone's treating you inappropriately at work As well as that, we're tackling the day-to-day in the office. How do we cope with uncomfortable feedback, deal with feelings of inadequacy, conflict, gossip or emotion in the office? On hand to help is Vicky Wright, the Associate Minister at Holy Trinity Clapham. With a background on many a leadership team and with years of experience as a mentor, she's here to guide us through those workplace complications. So today's podcast comes to you from Holy Trinity Clapham Church offices overlooking the rather more green Clapham Common than it was a few weeks ago when it was scorched and yellow. And I'm sat here with Lucy White. Hi to Lucy and also to Vicky. Now we're going to be interviewing you. Tell me kind of in a nutshell who you are.
1: Um, So I am the Associate Minister, one of the Associate Ministers here at HTC, and I look after all of our operations and development, which means I do a little bit of everything in terms of running the church.
0: Okay, there's been a journey before you came here. What was that?
1: There certainly has. It's actually been a really varied journey. Let's start um, university. So I did English and drama at uni and then worked for Tier Fund and then trained to be a teacher and um, taught in South London for a while and then went off to Theological College for a couple of years. And then since then, I've worked on the senior teams, senior leadership teams of churches for the last 10 years. So quite varied Conflict management, Mm. something probably all of us have had situations,
0: maybe in our personal life, but also Mm -hmm. particularly at work, Mm -hmm. where you think, I either can't work with this person or someone's done something that makes it really difficult for me to do my job. You know, when you're in a situation like that, do's and don'ts.
1: Mm. The starting point is to know yourself. Um, And I think that's a really important thing in lots of areas of life but to know what your triggers are to know um, the type of people who can push your buttons at times Um, because actually when you bring yourself into a situation you always have an agenda there are always things going on in your own heart and in your own life and sometimes to be aware of those is the best place in terms of starting to manage conflict otherwise you can put layers upon layers of things um, in a situation I mean my big thing is that conflict um, is is a normal part of life having disagreements is a normal part of life it can actually be in the workplace one of the most the places where real creativity happens one of the things I would say particularly if you are starting off in the workplace is to find someone who does it well to find someone who manages conflict who embraces it in a healthy way and watch what they do and ask them about it I was really um Honoured. In my first teaching job, I had a head of department and she was brilliant. You know, it was a tricky, there were some really tricky moments in that school. And she was great at navigating conflict in a way that was really healthy. And we used to car share on the way to work. And I'd just ask her questions. You know, why did you, why did you handle it like this? How did you have that conversation? And within the bounds of confidentiality, obviously she couldn't share everything. Um, I learned so much from her. And I sometimes think that that stuff, we can read books about it, um, we can go to seminars about it, but actually watching it in action and seeing somebody who manages their own emotions and other people's emotions really well, I think that's priceless.
0: Should we bring our emotions to work?
1: Yes, I think so. I think, certainly as Christians, we, um, we understand that we are... We're not just head, we're not just intellect. Um, We reflect God and God is an emotional God. You know, in the Bible, God talks about his emotions. We need to bring those emotions in a really healthy way.
0: Is there a line, Lucy, I don't know about you as well. I've cried in the office.
1: Mm. What do you do if it happens? Vulnerability is not a bad thing. Um, And actually as leaders, leading in vulnerability can be a really healthy thing as well and giving permission to people to feel. I think it's one of those situations that often it's important to follow up afterwards. I've had situations when I was younger where I walked out of meetings because I felt very emotional about things. And actually it's a, that sent a worse signal, I think, than probably getting upset in the meeting because people didn't know why I was walking out. Mm. And so actually it looked like I was having a strop. <laughs> mm. And I wasn't. I, and it would have been much better in that place to be more vulnerable and talk about what was going on. So I think where we are vulnerable... Um, the most important thing in lots of life is communication. So to follow up afterwards and say, this is why I got upset, because it may actually be that there is some type of follow-up that needs to happen because it has provoked such a strong reaction.
0: Talking about vulnerability, and Mm. Lucy, I know you wanted to touch on this, is um, imposter syndrome. Mm. For anyone that that term is kind of new, can you just explain what it is? And then, Vicky, you can give us some Mm. advice.
2: Uh, So I... Kind of experience this pretty soon in the workplace. You're given a role and given a job. You prepare really well. You do everything by the book, but you get this nagging sense that you are going to be found out, or you're kind of a fraud sitting there. So it might be that you're asked to run a meeting, and you you prepare diligently but halfway through you feel like a total fraud and I've just been really interested in this because I know that even even Angela Merkel says she has imposter syndrome (laughs) which is bizarre but I just it happens to all of us and I'm really interested in how we marry that up as Christians knowing our identity and being confident in the workplace but also having a strong grip on our abilities and, and who we are and I just wondered if you could share some thoughts on that.
1: I mean, I think the first thing I would say is that imposter syndrome is pretty common. I'm just trying to think of times when I felt. I think the first thing is to recognize the voice, is to learn to recognize your harsh inner critic uh, and to recognize it and, in a sense, to name it as such. As Christians, we know that when we bring things into the light, when we name things, they lose their power often. I would also say to to talk to others about it so i had a brilliant i was negotiating a while ago um well emailing somebody who was coming to speak at htc and we were talking about speakers fees so how much we pay that speaker and this was a female speaker and she's absolutely brilliant at what she does and she'd come back to me with a fee that i thought was too low kind of once i'd calculated her expenses and everything so i went back to her and i said well, actually, no, we'd pay this. That's a little bit low. And she came straight back to me and went, thank you so much. She said, I was having a horrible moment of imposter syndrome. I didn't feel I could charge mm. as much as I was worth because I felt a bit like a Ford. And I thought, isn't that brilliant? Because what she has done is rather than just email me back and say, thanks very much, she's named something. She said, as a fellow woman, this is what, how I was feeling. And I think it just, when we start to talk about this stuff, it takes some of the power away from it because it's hidden I think the other really key thing and this is something that I have learned is that being wrong or not being able to do something in the workplace doesn't make you a fraud or an imposter we conflate f- being a fraud or being fraudulent with not being able to do something and actually part of developing both as a disciple of Christ but in and in the workplace is that we're all on a learning curve So not being able to do something doesn't mean you're an imposter. And I think just remembering that. I think it's um, Maya Angelou, the author. I think she'd written, after she'd written something like 11 books, she said, you know, I still think every book I publish, they're going to be like, she doesn't know what she's doing. So it's a really common thing. And I think just to recognize that. Um, But the other thing, um, and I don't know, this isn't always the case, but I think comparison can exacerbate imposter syndrome because i think as christians what we are saying is that we see ourselves we want to try and understand ourselves as god sees us and one of the ways we do that is when we read scripture we hear what god thinks of us (laughs) um and what happens when we compare ourselves to others that narrative i think that narrative starts to change and rather than hearing what god thinks about us we start to hear our own inner voice comparing ourselves to others Um, and then we see ourselves in the light of them um, and, and and not in God's light. And in my life, what that looks like is I then start to feel like I need to strive to be better than them, or I just feel really insecure because I'm not mm. as good as them. And I think that kind of conflates the whole of those feelings of imposter syndrome. So stop comparing.
0: You've talked a bit about how to know your worth. Yeah. Now I might be listening thinking. I'm a bit envious that I'm not working for someone like Vicky, because <laughs> I don't think my boss would ever come back to me and say, you're worth more than you think you are. Mm. We're going to ask you a few kind of work related questions and say, you know, how should we best deal with mm. these situations? One of them is pay. <laughs> how many conversations have we probably all had with mm. friends, family, colleagues? I don't think I'm being paid what I'm worth. And we see headlines Oh, well, it's, it's quite normal for women not to get the same opportunities as men. How do we convince the people we work for? How do you navigate those conversations to say, you know, my paycheck isn't, isn't reflective of how much I'm mm. worth?
1: Mm. Um, one of the ways, uh, I mean, this is a very live issue, isn't it? A very live issue. One of the ways I think it's quite helpful to frame this as a Christian is to move away from the language of worth and to move more towards the language of justice because i think the problem with the language of worth is we can then tie ourselves up in knots of is you know is this me am i being arrogant whereas actually if two people are doing the same job and because one is male and one is female one is paid more that is an issue of worth but fundamentally it's an issue of justice it's unjust um, and actually scripture has a huge amount to say about that um, and we have a God of justice so I actually think there is a justice issue around pay um, and if two people are doing the same job and they're being employed to do that job and they're being paid different amounts that is injustice unfair um, and I think when we frame it like that we can sometimes feel more confident and About going to have those conversations because worth can be so much tied up with our sense of identity, and so therefore it's a little bit more difficult to be objective. Whereas justice is a clear sense of that's just not fair, that person's being paid three thousand five thousand pounds more, that's not fair. So it's not always possible to frame it like that but if you can i think that's sometimes a helpful way to think about it
0: and what if you don't have the information to hand you might work somewhere where it's not public how much Mm. people are earning
1: the one thing i always advise people to do is if you are going to have those conversations to do your research I think particularly if you're working um, not just the corporate sector but at the end of the day companies have budgets you know this whole realm is around the financial and it is good to go in there and not just talk about um, how you feel um, but to actually go in there with some research about... So maybe if you, can't, if you don't know how much in your company somebody is earning, and actually sometimes it's not you know, always the best idea to go around and ask all your colleagues what their salary is, <laughs> you can, probably without too much difficulty, do some market, com- what I would call market comparison. So looking at some other organisations. Job adverts are the best way to do that, but there are other ways. Um, it is good to go prepared into those conversations and to say somebody doing a similar job And adding value in the way that I'm adding value here is being paid this much over here. Um, So I would also always suggest that you can go in and talk about your emotions and how you feel, that perhaps you don't feel valued, but don't just just go in and talk about your emotions. Actually go in with some kind of research that you've done. So I think that's a really good starting point. Uh, The other thing, really practical one, do ensure that your job description is up to date and actually reflects the responsibilities that you are doing sometimes those kind of administrative oversights um can make people feel really not valued that actually their line manager or their boss just doesn't know what they do perhaps your boss doesn't know what you do and the fact that you've taken on extra responsibilities because you've got a ton of initiative and they're not aware that you're doing that get it on paper and make them aware of it because actually sometimes just by doing that that can help the conversation um one thing I would say is a quick way to fob somebody off in this situation is to say thank you so much for coming to talk to me about that I will go and speak to so and so and in a sense you know they pass the buck so if that happens I mean I've
0: heard that before
1: yeah <laughs> it does <laughs> and, and it you does. think okay maybe I'll just speak to someone else yeah yeah and, but and can I face doing that yeah but also you may not be able to speak may not be appropriate mm, to, mm. to speak to someone else but if that happens it may be a genuine thing they can't give you an answer and also they may not be able to give you an answer straight away, but it may be a pass in the book. A really simple thing is to say, thank you so much for taking the time to do that on my behalf. Could you let me know when you'd be able to come back to me on this? So in a sense, you're in a way managing up and holding somebody accountable that you would like an answer.
0: Tough conversations. Tough conversations.
1: <laughs> really tough, tough. conversations, yeah.
0: Even worse conversations are having conversations with your line manager, boss, and they give you feedback, and it's not nice feedback. <laughs> I don't know anyone, I still haven't met anyone who can just take feedback, negative feedback oh. like a champ. I'm going to ask you to be really honest now. Oh. Can you share some feedback you got that, you know, was quite hard to hear? And, and what do we do when we receive bad feedback? Because it's, you know, it's uncomfortable. I get kind of a physical reaction when I get bad mm. feedback. I don't know about you, but you think, oh, okay, you know, that's kind of chipped away at my ego. Mm. It's time to kind of repair, not be too overly defensive, but take it on board.
1: Yeah, no. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, I think some of the most difficult feedback I have had, and I think this is, it would be the same across the board, is about things that I have been really passionate about and somebody has Critiqued because I think the things that we don't really care about, we can often hear feedback easier on those type of things. A few months back, I was given um, feedback on a project um, that I had worked on, and and essentially feedback about the fact that one part of this project somebody had felt like I hadn't approached in the right way, and I felt found that really painful because a it was something I felt really passionate about, but also b. I didn't feel in the way they gave their feedback. They had taken time to understand me and understand where I was coming from. And generally speaking, in any type of feedback situation, if we don't feel we've been listened to, that can exacerbate those feelings of Mm. um, feeling hurt. Um, This individual did actually give the feedback very well. So the actual process of delivering it was good, but it it left me having to mull over and to kind of... um, yeah grapple with it feedback can be hard but i also think it is one of the most amazing things um we can have i mean the one thing i would say is sometimes we are bruised by feedback because it's actually been done really badly Mm. um and one of the things that we have to get better at i think or we we, or we get better at is deciding: am i feeling bruised because actually that feedback has been delivered in a way that really not good and is not constructive and hasn't tried to build me up or am I feeling bruised because I don't like being told what that person has told me (laughs) and that there can be some crossover there but I think it's good to be able to start to pray and discern what's going on the other thing i would say is that i've had i've worked for some people who give feedback brilliantly and i've worked for some people who give feedback appallingly and it's helped me work out how i give feedback so i think Mm. also if you are somebody who wants to manage people in the future or you're currently starting to manage people watch again it's a bit like the conflict one you can read books about it but when you see it in action and it's great you know that's somebody who can do it well It comes back to this whole thing around imposter syndrome that just because you get something wrong doesn't mean that you're a fraud. Um, It's a bit cliched, isn't it? But, you know, we can grow through feedback, but we can. We genuinely Mm. can. At the time when somebody says that to you, you don't always feel like that. But it is, I think it is true. Mm. I think it is true.
0: I think the flip side to this, now, Lucy, I can't ever imagine you you being in this category But there is a real growing wave, particularly in our kind of very social media, self-absorbed culture for young, I hate to use the term millennials, but millennials, where narcissism is on a huge increase Mm. and actually people think, I'm great, I'm doing really well at this, I'm great. And actually maybe a bit blinded by that, If, if I'm being really honest about myself, I think maybe actually, I can't resonate with those people who've got imposter syndrome, You know, I don't get why I'm not progressing faster than I should be at work. How can I be brought back down to earth, particularly if I don't want to be?
1: Well, I think some of this is where, as Christians, we understand that um, your competency and your character are two different things. So you can be very good at something, but the character that undergirds that isn't fully developed. And I'd actually say if you're being narcissistic, then it probably hasn't, putting it bluntly, because it's self-absorption is not a great character characteristic. Um, and I think one of the things that we can... One of the things I think as Christians we need to understand is that we our competency, sometimes particularly at the beginning of our careers, can grow quicker than our character. Um, and sometimes we can be given a lot of responsibility because of that, and we can start to see our character crumble under that responsibility. Mm. So I think one of the things to understand is that however amazing you may think you are at something are you also working on your character? Are you asking for the fruits of the spirit? Are you looking to see how those will develop? I also think in this situation, a really wise and discerning mentor, I'm a huge fan of mentors. I am one and I am mentored myself. I think having those people who you say, I give you permission to speak into my life and to say some of the things that I may not want to hear, um, And to actually, particularly if you are a very competent individual and you think you're amazing at what you do, I think really focusing on your character is also very important because it is likely, in a worldly sense, you will progress very quickly and you may even hold positions of influence and leadership at quite a young age. You need to make sure your character is being worked on at the same time as your competency, whether you are male or whether you are female. So I would say that's a, I hope that's helpful, but yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Seeing
0: that we're talking about work yeah. environments and we've kind of tackled pay a little bit, um, and I'm sorry if you're listening and you think that hasn't helped me kind of pluck up the courage to have those yeah. difficult conversations, but a really serious and uh, awful situation that mm. some women and some men are facing at work is having a colleague who is inappropriate, mm. who behaves in a way where uh, it's more than making you feel uncomfortable. There's a line yeah. and, and you're aware yeah. it's being crossed. Your kind of uh, kind of backbone in HR, you know, mm. what are our first steps? What do you do if you think I'm, I'm in a compromising situation at work because of someone else and I know it's over the line?
1: One of the helpful things at the moment is I think well, a lot of this is being brought out into the light because of some very high-profile media cases. And I think that is helpful in the sense that I think it is being discussed in arenas where it wasn't previously discussed. So I think that can only be a good thing. My advice in those situations is record everything. So make sure everything that you are experiencing is written down, um, because. That can just be a very, that's a very practical piece of advice, particularly if things worsen so that you can look back and you can give examples of where things has happened. I think the most important thing in that situation is to recognise that your organisation should have harassment and bullying protocols in place and follow those um, they may be in our, on your intranet they may be in a staff handbook but make sure you go and speak to the person that might be HR that might be your line manager and um, take what you've written down and um, make sure that you report it um, now that can be a really scary thing to do um, you know one of the th- reasons why people like Harvey Weinstein got away with what he got away with for so long is that often um, in these situations, people can make or break careers. So Harvard-Weinstein could make or break careers, particularly in a sector where it's very, very competitive, um, which means that people often don't speak out because they are fearful, and that that's understandable. Um, the problem by not speaking out, though, is that obviously these things will then continue. And sometimes in these situations, actually what happens is that a picture kind of a jigsaw starts to emerge as different people start to speak out so I think try and be brave um, and um try and write everything down but the most important thing as I say is to follow the protocols um, the law is on your side um, very much so if you are experiencing workplace harassment and so there should be protocols in your office now if there aren't um now there should be but if there aren't there are other organizations that you can go and speak to so the citizens advice bureau um there's also an organization a brilliant organization called acas acas um they give advice to both employers and employees and they have a confidential helpline they'd be a very good place to start Uh, i mean it's a sad thing but there are some organizations where it might not be easy to access the information on what you do in Mm -hmm. that situation but there are kind of external places that you can go to help um on that and if it's your friend so if somebody comes to speak to you and says what do i do in this situation i think give them that advice but also be your be a safe person for them don't gossip don't gossip about this stuff in the office actually gossip can often diminish this kind of stuff and people just think it's a bit of a laugh it's not it's really serious so don't gossip keep their confidence um as much as it's appropriate to do um and um pray for them and pray for them um I think that's really important
2: and Vic I've been really struck in all the way through that you in Christian organizations but also in other organizations you've worked you you're really passionate about bringing courage and vulnerability to work why is that important for us as Christian women in the workplace um I think for me I when
1: I look through the different characters in scripture who are women when I look at Esther when I look at Deborah various different Marys (laughs) in scripture. I just, I see a theme of that. Um, And I think as women, we're made in God's image. Um, God made us male and female. And, And I think there is something about reflecting the cu- the courage and the vulnerability of god actually when we, you know we see in jesus a huge amount of vulnerability um and we see in jesus a huge amount of courage um and bravery and perseverance as well and i think um we're called to i think we're called to reflect that um and i also think um it's a really beautiful thing when those two things come together i think when courage and vulnerability come together um, for me, there's something that really reflects God's character. But also, I think amazing things can happen. I think it's a real route of creativity, actually, and actually moving things on and having... I'm a, I'm a real advocate for, and I'm very passionate about, having the uncomfortable conversations. Um, because I think it's when we have the conversations that might not always be easy to have, we often find the answers to things that we may not have found otherwise. Um, so... I yeah that's not to say that I get it. I've got this, this wrong so many times mm. I'm also somebody that have to, that at times I think you know disclaimer I have shown emotions sometimes in the office that probably I shouldn't have done and I've I've had to learn to know where the lines are on that and sometimes we don't get it right all the time um, and part of developing is learning your boundaries both in terms of you know workload and how long you work in the office but also in terms of your emotional and your spiritual boundaries in the office as well um so it takes time again I think I've had brilliant mentors and I think that's part they've been really helpful in in developing that Mm. I think
0: just finally Mm. you've talked about the fact that you have a mentor you are also a mentor where do I start if I'd like one (laughs)
1: well I think the first bit of advice I would say is what type of mentor do you want um, um, I've had different types of mentors at different stages in my life and um, it may be that you want now that's not to say you can't I'm not saying compartmentalize your life but there are different types so there's spiritual directors which are people who will really focus particularly on your spiritual kind of life um, there are workplace mentors so that might be somebody who's five ten years ahead of you in the workplace um, there are people who might be more of a mentor in terms of your relational life um, now sometimes you can find somebody who does all three but often particularly if you're thinking about workplace um, it may be um, that they will that will, they will be focused on it. it's things like do you want a Christian mentor or is it more important to you at this stage that you have somebody who um, understands the industry that you're in and you may have somebody else at church that you chat to about things? So I think it's quite good to be quite specific about um, at this stage, what you want to mentor for. And then if it's um, somebody to do with your spiritual relational life, then go and chat to your church leadership. But ask around and see if other people in your sector have mentors Um, sometimes there may be somebody who's really good don't worry about approaching people directly Um, people are always honoured and flattered if you ask them to be your mentor because it speaks value about them they may not have time to I feel like you may have some emails after this (laughs) (laughs) i think the other thing as well um i'm always somebody who's big on expectations have a think about what time commitment both you and your mentor are looking at because sometimes when people talk about mentoring in their minds they're thinking about meeting up fortnightly that might be not what your mentor is Mm. thinking so just kind of make sure you have an understanding about what type of mentor the time commitment there would be involved and in a sense what you want to get out of it it's you know mentoring is not counseling and so sometimes it may also be you know is it mentoring that you want or the other you know the other other things that you may want so just having those kind of conversations is helpful
0: managed expectations managing expectations i think it's probably my favorite phrase (laughs) in in all parts of my life (laughs) tricky to do tricky it's been an absolute delight thank you so much for kind of just taking us through any workplace woes worries uh, difficulties it's been really great thank you
1: absolute pleasure
0: That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Please do send us feedback on topics you'd like us to cover. You can email podcast at moreprecious.co.uk. Coming up on the next episode of the podcast, we're tackling jealousy. How can we truly champion, not compete with our friends? But for now, to play us out is the King's Cross Worship Band with their latest single, Kingdom Come.